Welcome to the Big Q, where students ask questions and our campus ethics team helps find answers. Today's episode features Mariah Campson, who gathered a student's questions about Santa Clara's COVID response and then interviewed the head of the COVID operations team, Professor Craig Stevens. Do you think that student services are sufficient and accessible here at Santa Clara? I think that, well, as someone that lives off campus, I feel like I have less day-to-day interaction with student services than I did when I was living on campus. But one of the ones that I have the most, I guess, interaction with on a most regular basis is the color testing system that is offered Um, And I've had a couple of issues with that over the last quarter. It was fine in the fall, but I had results that would take between five and six days to be given back to me. And in that time, I know that if I were positive, I would have been like spreading it around to people, which I think that delay is kind of of problematic. And I don't really know if that's something that can happen on Santa Clara's part or if that's on the color system, but... I think that they need to be more on top of just getting that more efficient so that students can have more accessibility to rapid testing. Um, I will say that the services that have been offered by the Bronco Health Ambassadors that have been offered outside of the library with like the masks and the antigen tests were super helpful. And that's something that I think they kind of instituted like kind of at more of the 11th hour that seemed to be a little bit more independent from the school. It seems more like student run from what I can tell. So I don't really know if like the institutional level of Santa Clara can take credit for that. But I know that if it's students that are responsible for that, they've done a really good job with getting access to those. Um, And so I think that just because that's been the part of the campus services that I've had the most interaction with, I would like to see maybe wider access rather than just like a stand outside the library you know maybe put the rapid tests with the other color tests um or i don't know other things like that could that could maybe make it a little more accessible to students craig stevens i'm a professor of biology and public health at santa clara university and for the past going uh, getting close to two years now i've been part of the covid operations team leadership on campus, figuring out how to adapt what we're doing to, you know, to COVID-19. Right. Perfect. And how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful (laughs) day. We're sitting outside, so couldn't be better. And so just to kind of start us off, Are there any new things that you've done in the last year or two or anything unexpected happened? Well, I've done a lot less of a lot of things (laughs) that I ordinarily wouldn't be able to do. We were just talking about playing basketball at Maui, and I've played basketball for the last 10 years or so with a group of faculty and staff on Thursday mornings, and we haven't haven't done that in two years now, which is sad. I've spent more time reading, more time listening to books, uh, probably watched more streaming shows on Netflix and Amazon Prime than I than I used to. But, yep, just trying to adapt like everyone else. 
And now we'll just talk a little bit about COVID and the pandemic and how that has affected campus life. Mm -hmm. Would you share with me some of your general thoughts about the pandemic and how it affects students and faculty here at Santa Clara? Sure. Well, as you know, it's, it's changed almost everything we've done for the last two years, having to change very rapidly back in, in uh, March 2020 um, to suddenly be teaching online and then be online for several quarters for a whole year after that, really, even more than a year. Um, it's changed our living situations on campus. A lot of people were away from campus for a long time. It's changed the way students interact with faculty and, and with each other. Um, so, you know, it's changed everything, really. And I think it, even after it's done, and it's hard to say exactly when it'll be done, I think there are things that, that won't go back to the way they were before. Maybe some things we've learned how to do better. Hopefully we've learned how to teach online better, but that doesn't mean that we want to teach online all the time. Um, it's certainly been stressful for students and faculty and staff in, in so many different ways. And, you know, last fall, we, we, we don't know how much these were related to COVID, but, you know, the, the issue of mental health among students was really <laughs> brought into sharp focus by the suicides on campus. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's had a profound impact on our campus community. And how have you navigated your role on the COVID support team? Well, it's, it's been a, um, a really valuable professional experience for me. And I don't want to say that that's something that good that came out of it. It's just been a way on the, the COVID leadership to sort of use whatever skills and expertise I have in a different way. I've been tremendously impressed with the dedication of so many um, staff on campus. A lot of faculty don't get to work with the, the staff very often outside of their own departments. And so I've been working you know, very closely with people in residence life and people in facilities and people in auxiliary services and um, you know, trying to adapt a a big enterprise like a college campus to function in so many new ways um, really requires a lot of flexibility and, and willingness to change. And I've seen that and not everything has gone perfectly. And I realize that, um, you know, we've, we've just had to do the best we can under difficult circumstances. And I, and I hope that students, and I think students mostly appreciate that um, just as students are trying to do the best they can under difficult circumstances. You know, this is the, the lot we've been given, and so we just have to figure out how to accomplish our educational mission and for students to accomplish their own educational journey under different circumstances than any of us thought we would have when they decide to come to Santa Clara. So you mentioned flexibility. How has this whole situation, I guess you'd call it, changed, or has it changed the way that you teach or the way that you see Santa Clara and how 
kind of the inner workings, I guess, of the school? Well, it certainly changed the way I teach. And, well, I mean, there's sort of the technical ways of, yeah, I've had to learn how to learn, use Zoom <laughs> and and other tools, Camino, a lot more than I ever did. And, and you know, I haven't been able, because of all the COVID work, I haven't been able to sort of delve into that in the way that some of our faculty have been incredibly dedicated in trying to teach other faculty some of the, the skills and strategies for engaging students even in an online environment. And I really appreciate the, the faculty that have, um, you know, worked on, on that so hard. Um, one thing that I, I really feel like I've lost there have been a lot of losing out on is I'm a, I'm a also, you know, a research scientist. I have a laboratory and it has been pretty difficult to adapt some of that to um, the online only, you know, to only virtual environment. And so that's something that I've struggled with. You know, it's not, you, you just can't unfortunately do everything that you did before and just say, okay, I'm going to do it online now. So, you know, there, there's been, losses but there's been gains in other way and you know on the student side I, I think um, I can't really speak to how students have had to try and adjust the way they learn to new strategies of educational delivery and I know that's probably been as as challenging for students as it has been for faculty to try and change the way they deliver um, their uh, educational uh, mission so, um, yeah. I can speak a little bit to the student side. I actually am a research assistant and I've only been a research assistant during the time that we've been online. Yeah. So I work with um, Jane, Dr. Jamie Chang and uh -huh. CJ Gaby from EMBS. And so we've been doing work with unhoused people in San Jose and yes. how the heat affects their adaptation strategies. Yes. So that's definitely been interesting to navigate. We've done a series of interviews last quarter, all virtually. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely, it's doable, but it is definitely a, an adjustment. And I yes. know from just speaking to them and the research, because they're used to being out in the field and all of that was kind of not necessarily available to us. So, but again, we live and we make it work. Well, hopefully we all take away from it some skills that will be transferable to right. whatever our new normal is yeah. when we're done with this. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know how or what student groups have been involved in addressing COVID on campus? Yeah. I mean, I really should highlight the health ambassadors, um, which is a group that actually came out of a public health capstone uh, class last winter. Um, Dr. Parker and Saxton were really key in that. Um, I should also, you know, give a shout out to Dr. Sa Kat Saxton and David Hess, who have been my faculty colleagues on the COVID advisory group. But the health ambassadors have um, Last, so last, when they started last spring, they did a lot of work on promoting testing, promoting vaccination opportunities, um, helping students understand what to do if they had to isolate or quarantine. Because at that point, most students were not 
uh, vaccinated because they, right. they couldn't be yet. And so that was, that was where they started, and I think that was very useful. Then this quarter, um, you know, they've really done a lot of work providing rapid testing, um, especially for students who had either been exposed to COVID or had been infected and, and wanted to um, test out using rapid, using rapid antigen testing, which is different than the, the PCR testing that we've been doing on campus. So they've been, they've been super dedicated and I really want to um, thank them for what they've done. I also worked with, and, and some of them were the same students that are now health ambassadors, but the whole testing program last winter and spring um, relied on student workers. And I had, you know, over 50 uh, student workers who were, were incredibly dedicated in, you know, running the testing centers on campus. Now some of them are continuing. They, they're the ones that go around and pick up all the color tests from the collection bins and restock them. And so, you know, those students have really um, been, been wonderful also. And what other campus services have been involved in? Well, gosh, it's almost like what haven't been involved, you know? I mean, I think especially um, this quarter, residence life has had a heck of a job with so many people um, being infected you know, at the start of the quarter, which sort of overlapped, unfortunately, you know, perfectly with post-holidays, the Omicron wave, everything. You know, we had um, hundreds and hundreds of cases right at the start of the quarter, and there was just no room to put them all in isolation. So the housing office has had to, and residence life, all the res life staff have really had to adjust, you know, as people have been sheltering in place you know, getting food delivered for them, all the, the food service workers. Um, so they they deserve a lot of credit. But the, the COVID, um, you know, operations and, and leadership group includes people from, you know, ranging from, you know, dining services and, and facilities um, to, you know, the provost's office. Uh, I mentioned some of the faculty. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of work to adjust the operations. Athletics has had a lot of changes to, you know, a lot of adaptation to do with the student athletes so that they could continue their, their um, efforts as, as intercollegiate athlete, athletes. So yeah, a lot of people around campus who have worked really hard and not to mention, of course, all the students who've have worked really hard on all this too. ASG, I should, you know, ASG has certainly been very supportive also in what we've been trying to do on campus, promoting vaccination, promoting testing, promoting, um, you know, good behavior on the parts of students in terms of not gathering in large groups mm -hmm. and all the sort of things that I'm, I'm sure you're aware of. So, yeah. Thank you. Um, do you feel that the dispersal methods for information about services and announcements regarding COVID have been working? Well, that's a really good question. And I, I guess I would say, I'm not sure. Um, you know, we do a, a weekly email, for example. Sometimes there's a lot to put in there and I don't know who reads it all. 
Um, it goes to faculty and staff and students, and I suspect students generally don't read past the first part. Social media has been an effort. Um, you know, the uh, Dr. Saxton has done the Ask Professor Cat series. The university communications team has been great. They've really put a lot of effort into social media. And I think, you know, ranging from Instagram and Twitter and well, I don't know if anyone looks at Facebook anymore, but, you know, the, the parents, multi-platform right? yeah. efforts. And, and parents are another group that has know that communication to parents is really important too because they have a lot of concerns so I don't know there's no single communication strategy that works for everybody so I, I'm thinking you know between the email and uh, social media platforms I hope that it gets to a lot of people and then you know word of mouth of course is is important too yeah. so I'm not a communications expert. I hope I hope that the messages get out there one way or another, but sometimes it's hard to know. I think the Ask Professor Cat segment has been really helpful because I know coming back to campus in the fall, that over the summer I would always keep up with those and I had a lot of questions answered. And yeah. I think it just, especially talking to students, I think having as much visual, yep. audible communication seems to be helpful because I know everything has been through email <laughs> not that yeah. people don't read the emails we do read the emails some of us um, but I do think the videos and that seems to be a good way to communicate to students especially because we have like you said just we've been apart for a long time so it's yeah. easier to digest I would say yeah and is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you would like students to know about the state of COVID on campus? Well, I, I mean, I certainly hope that people realize that the situation is getting much better. The number of cases has dropped dramatically, both on campus and in the county, um, more so than it is nationally, although it's dropping nationally as well, too. So I think we're headed in the right direction. I do really want to encourage everyone to get a booster uh, vaccination if they haven't already. It is going to be required um, by the end of the quarter and the sooner you can get it, as long as it's been five months after your previous shot, you should. I, I also want to encourage people to get that booster even if they've had COVID recently. And I understand that people, you know, think, well, you know, if I was vaccinated before and I've got COVID, uh, you know, either what good did it do me or why should I get another one since I had COVID? But it can really still help. There's, there's a lot of evidence that it can still help. And over time, you know, vaccination, uh, the immunity that you get can drop off a little. And so getting that booster um, can, can help top it back up. We don't know if there's gonna be another variant come along. Um, so anything that we can do to sort of maximize the protection of our community, I think is, is important. And so that's one strategy. Um, and, and to keep doing the other things that, you know, you hear about masking, as long as that's useful, probably we're going to be doing it inside for a little bit longer. Um, but you know, we're not completely out of this yet. Things are looking good. But if we can just keep taking, keep making an effort, then I think that we'll be able to get through the rest of this year in 
in better shape in a way that I think people will <laughs> feel like it's a little more normal. Right. And so on the subject of boosters, I know the school has had vaccine clinics and booster clinics. Will there be any more before the end of the quarter? Yes, there are. And um, if I get the dates right, I'm pretty sure the next one is on Valentine's Day, February 14th, which is next Monday, right? And then the last one, I'm pretty sure is on March 11th. You can look on, um, I mean, there's posts on Instagram from the health ambassadors and uh, lots of other information in those various types of communication we were just talking about. So there are a couple more opportunities. It's free. It's just over in Locatelli. Their appointment system is very effective. So you can be in and out of there in, in 20 minutes, including 15 minutes of just sitting there waiting to make sure that you're okay. So um, trying to make it as easy as possible. Perfect. And how can we as students help the school act ethically during this time? Gosh, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know about the school acting ethically so much as I think that just a, from a personal perspective, there's a lot of things that that students can do. I think that, um, you know, following the guidelines, wearing masks uh, when you're inside, I mean, not in your, your dorm room or anything, but when you're in environments like that, getting the best mask you can. And I think really the socializing has been one of the biggest problems. And I'm not saying don't socialize, but going to big parties where everyone's, you know, eating or drinking without masks on is really um, kind of risky behavior. And I think that has been one of the main ways, those big gatherings has been one of the main ways that has spread on campus. So I would really encourage you to recognize that there's still significant amount of virus out there, that even if you're vaccinated, you can get infected um, if, you, if you get a big enough dose of it, and then you can potentially spread it to other people. So acting responsibly, getting tested so that you know you, if you are infected and if you do test positive, then you know taking those steps to make sure that you don't infect anyone else. Those just rely on people you know, doing the right thing and um, thinking about the, the community rather than just what they need or want. And I realize that it's, it can be hard in the moment um, but, you know, I just encourage people to, to exercise as much personal responsibility and restraint as they can um, until we don't have this sort of threat hanging over us anymore. Right. And are there ways or how has um, kind of the school or faculty bridged the gap between students and the school or like administration maybe? Well, I mean, there's certainly the faculty that work in residence life, um, or even just faculty, you know, taking the time to listen to their students, you know, whether it's in office hours or making space in class. I think certainly at the end of last quarter, we had a lot of, you know, really good examples of that, of of faculty trying to 
you know, recognize the stresses that students were under and um, changing what they were doing in the class, relaxing maybe some of the expectations, um, or just, you know, being willing to, to listen to, to students. I don't know whether that counts as, as bridging the gap with the administration. I think that faculty can be, um, you know, important advocates for the needs of students because we see students a lot, we interact with students a lot, and hopefully, you know, if, if there are examples of situations where the administration is not listening to that student voice, no matter how loud that student voice is, then faculty, I think, can be, should, can and should be advocates for the needs of the students. Um, so, and I think most faculty are, are open to that, but you know, it's it's not always easy. And you know, even even myself, you know, I have to change the what I do in classes and and um, what I'm willing to to ask students about sometimes, and listen to things that are that are not comfortable but are but are really important. Thank you.